Hello, my praying people. You are listening to the Prayer Clinic Podcast, and I'm Leanne McCoy, your host. On this podcast, we're going to unpack the mystery of prayer. Along the way, your faith will be strengthened and your relationship with Christ will be taken to new levels. Prayer is the most powerful tool we have as believers, but far too few of us know where to even begin in exercising and using this powerful tool. Let's take this journey together and experience what happens when we pray. So hello, today I'm so excited to have um, my good husband, Tom McCoy, the senior pastor at Thompson Station Church, and with us is Sam Landreth, our next-gen pastor at Thompson Station Church, and um, what a privilege it is for me to get to share these guys with you all, and um, we're going to talk about prayer and the significance of prayer in the local church, how God wants our churches to be housed of prayer, and more specifically, how um, the impact that pastors have on the culture of prayer in our churches. So Tom and Sam, thank y'all for being here with me today. Glad to be here. Glad to be here. And to um, be able to share candidly with our audience. So um, I would love to just open up by asking you each to share kind of your own journey in prayer and and where that started in your life personally, not as a pastor, but just personally. So Sam, you go first. (laughs) Sure. so I grew up uh, as a pastor's kid, a PK. So, so you hear about prayer all the time growing up, you know, brought in the doors and, and uh, something you're supposed to, you know, be doing uh, all the time. But, but just to be honest, a lot of times, um, you know, for me, you know, the, just the, 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 the time to sit there and be quiet and try to talk to the Lord. And it was very hard because I want to go, go, go. And uh, we'll get to more of that later. <laughs> uh, but to try to work that discipline in. But I do remember... Uh, uh, my father and, and my mother and different people in my life uh, trying to teach me the discipline of prayer. Um, mm-hmm. And I even remember at a young age, um, <clears throat> because of their influence on my life, teaching me to pray. I remember in, in second, third grade, praying for friends at school who needed mm-hmm. to know Jesus. Um, I, there's great. a prayer that I still pray today. And so if anybody's out there and, and has kids, and these are great yeah. things to, bu- to build in, there's a prayer that I pray uh, that my dad taught me, and, and it's a uh, Lord give me the wisdom to know what to do and the strength and courage to do it even when it's hard, and uh, help me to do what I'm told to do when I'm told to do it with the right heart and right attitude. That was probably, <laughs> wow, that's that's that probably because I was disobedient. You know, <laughs> wow. you did. You got it memorized yeah. twenty years later. That's, that, that second was probably because I was disobedient. But, uh, <laughs> We're gonna have to write those down. Uh, email uh, the uh, prayer clinic or Leanne <laughs> She'll get that typed out. Yeah. For that's good. Those, uh, those were prayers that uh, my father taught me, and, and we would pray those at night, and they're still prayers that I pray today and um, you know I think it's too you never know really how God's going to work but but when you start praying for for wisdom at seven years old and the courage Mm -hmm. and strength to do what's right even when it's hard you never know how God is working that out in your life later on Um, and then just trying to build in that time where where there was times where maybe I just get on my knees before the Lord even at a young age just because I'd seen it modeled that that was the big thing Mm -hmm. I'd seen it modeled I'd seen it done um, but, but the hard part for me was when the, when the prayer really got hard for me, uh, was when my father got cancer and then passed away from cancer and I prayed for him to be healed and he wasn't healed. Mm. And so 
that's where, you know, you had seen God move, you had seen God work, you had been taught how to pray, you taught the discipline of prayer, you prayed in church, you prayed at home, you prayed in your personal life. And then when the big thing happens and the big thing you really want to see happen in your prayer life, you know, you hear about if you have the faith of a mustard seed, he can move mountains. Mm. If, uh, you know, you just ask in his name, you have not because you ask not, you know, and, and so you're praying and all you're seeing is the opposite of what you're praying. And so for me, uh, after that, there was a season uh, where it was very hard to pray. And yeah. to be honest, I didn't want to pray because my attitude was, if God's going to do what he's going to do already, why should I pray? Yeah. And what's the point of it? And um, hmm. and even more than that, when I would hear people share testimonies of God answering prayers or God healing people, mm-hmm. um, I would be bitter. And mm-hmm. I would say, God, why didn't you answer my prayer? And why didn't you answer what I wanted? Um, and it really took me down a journey where ultimately it had to come down to the fact where I had to uh, really get on my knees in prayer and just say, God, I, I don't get everything, but I trust you. And through that process, it's still something I struggle with at times, still something mm-hmm. I deal with at times. Uh, but I think that the Lord tries to mature us to say, hey, you know, we don't always necessarily get what we are praying for. Right. And, and here's the truth that I've learned is God always answers. Sometimes he just says no or, mm-hmm. or not yet, or he doesn't give us the answer we want. Right. And I think of Jesus praying in the garden, Lord, if there's another mm-hmm. way, let it happen. And, um, and so in that moment, he's saying, God, if there's any other way, let it, let it happen. You know, he's praying for something opposite. Right. But then he says, let your will be done. And he ultimately aligns his heart with, with the heart of God and goes to the cross. And so for us in our lives, uh, can we build in that practice of, of even if it's not the way that we wanted it to be, God, let your will be done. And what I've learned too, is that Mm. if one prayer doesn't get answered, don't let that keep you from the next prayer uh, because just like anything and, and you know I, I love basketball you know and, and the more shots you take the more chance you got to hit the bucket <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and I think in our prayer life we stop maybe one shot too soon mm-hmm. or we stop before maybe it's even over or yeah. maybe it's ever done and so um, for my for my life really just to sum it all up uh, it was a journey where I was taught I'd seen it I was disciplined but then I'd stop believing in it yeah and I didn't really want to continue with it because I thought uh even if I do believe in God, he's already decided. But the more that, I, that I've come back to just trust who God is, I've seen how prayer does move the hand of God. Mm-hmm. And I've had to learn too, hey, even though God didn't answer my prayer, his ways are higher than my ways. Yeah. And his thoughts are higher than my thoughts. Good. And even if I don't see it right now, even if I don't see it in this lifetime, maybe some things I don't understand until the other side of eternity. Right. But he's working something in the midst of it all. And I've got to keep praying and lean on him. And even if I don't get the prayer that I want answered, I've got to pray just so that he can get me through what I'm what mm-hmm. I'm going through and through mm-hmm. that situation because only through him can I make it through that. So that's that's just a little bit about uh, my prayer journey. That's good. There. So um, you've come from a place where you struggled saying, well, God's going to do what he's going to do anyway. Mm-hmm. My prayers don't matter that much mm-hmm. because of that disappointment. To a place, would you say now you would say, no, my prayers really do matter because they make a difference, like it does matter to pray. I, I, I would say that. I, I yeah. do think it really matters. I think it's still a battle at times that the enemy tries to bring up and say, hey, he didn't answer back here, right. so is this thing really real? Is it really true? Or yeah. if there's things I'm praying for right now that I know is going to be a long haul, uh, mm-hmm. like people I love to come back to the Lord yeah. or certain situations to be taken you know, care of, um, uh, you know, at times he'll try to you know, bring that stuff up, and I'll mm-hmm. think, you know, uh, you know, should I... You know, but um, I've seen the Lord move through yeah. prayers and I've seen him answer prayers and I've seen him do things that I can't explain where I yeah. know it was only the supernatural and not the natural. Right. And so um, for me, it's more of can I uh, just, you know, continue in that discipline of even, um, okay, if I really want to see something, the Lord convicted me, we'll probably get to more of this later of, 
of something a few months ago. He said, if you really want to see this, then why are you not fasting and praying? Mm. And mm-hmm. so you, you can tell me you want to see this all day long, but if your fasting and your prayer life doesn't reflect that, then you really don't want it that bad. Mm. And sometimes maybe, you know, if you look at Daniel, you know, what did he do? He fasted and prayed and the Lord heard and he answered him right then. You know, mm-hmm. and he fasted and prayed for a series of time. You look at Nehemiah when the walls were down, he fasted mm-hmm. and prayed. You know, you look at Jesus, he fasted and prayed. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and a lot of times you see this, this moment where there's so many people in the Bible who have that moment of fasting and prayer. Yeah. And, and sometimes the answer comes right then and sometimes it's on the other side mm-hmm. after a while. Um, but trying to fast and pray and build that discipline. And I've learned, though, this, that whether I get what I want answered or not through that prayer life, God's doing a work in me yeah. to where I trust Him. And, and I'm saying, God, I, I hear you and I listen to you and I'm following you and I'm leaning on you. And most of the time, too, I can hear that still small whisper yeah. of him saying something to me in that moment. Um, even if it's not, I hadn't seen it yet, he's telling me something or teaching me something That's in that good. moment. Either he's changing your outside circumstances or he's changing you on the inside. Absolutely. And both are beneficial, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. That's good. Wow. So, Tom, tell us about kind of your journey in prayer. Sure, I'll be glad to do that. Before, though, uh, for all <laughs> you prayer leaders in the churches and pastors listening to this podcast... A little more on Sam, Sam Landreth. He's uh, not only our next-gen pastor, but is a key teaching, preaching pastor here at Thompson Station Church. You already know that in this uh, way he articulates his thoughts and uh, what's going through his life. And his mom and dad, uh, Jennifer and David Landreth, were the leaders, the lead pastor, senior pastor at Long Hollow. David pastored uh, Long Hollow Baptist in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and in 19 years went from 375 to 7,500 in attendance before the Lord called him to heaven. Mm -hmm. And uh, you can see even now in the way Sam articulates what's on his heart that the prayers that he prayed at seven that David and Jennifer taught him are coming to fruition. Sam's 26 right Mm -hmm. now. Sam's 26 Mm -hmm. years old, and he speaks with uh, way more wisdom than any 26-year-old that you'll normally meet out on the street. And I believe that comes because of his praying mother and praying father and because he learned to pray early, even Mm -hmm. when he went through the dark and difficult days of David uh, getting cancer and then passing away and Mm -hmm. watching his mom and his sister and his brother grieve, his family, his church grieve. And they were all praying for a miracle and God didn't bring that miracle to pass. But I do, uh, I can attest to the fact that uh, Sam is an anointed uh, preacher and a significant and a great leader and uh, a lot of that, almost all of that is due to two things, his parents and their leadership, his dad specifically in pastoring and leading, his mother's uh, mentoring, and then, and then the, the difficult days that he went through because that shaped him into who he is, and it's powerful in his preaching, and it comes out that uh, life, is, life is fragile. Mm-hmm. and it's not forever. So, Sam, what a great way to articulate that. Like mm-hmm. Sam, I'm a preacher's kid. I'm a PK as well. Uh, my father was a scholar, uh, an academic. Uh, he was a pastor, but he was also in education and had uh, multiple degrees, even two doctorates. So my father was a scholar, but my, my mother was a prayer. And uh, I would, uh, in the in the wee, wee hours of the morning, I would wake up uh, as a child needing to go to the bathroom, and it would be 4 o'clock, and I'd get up and come down the hall over in Dixon, Tennessee, where I grew up, and I'd walk down toward the open living room and uh, as I just before I got to the bathroom and took a left in the hallway in the hall bath I would see the light on out in the 
sitting room out in the TV room and I'd take a couple more steps and I'd look around the corner. It's 4 or 4.30 in the morning and my mom would be praying at her desk, which she did every morning from 4 to 6 for two hours. She would read through the Bible and she had a map on the wall and pray around the world missionaries. So I saw it modeled uh, at an early life. Now my, my daddy prayed, but that wouldn't be his gifting. A scholar and an amazing Bible teacher, academic, but my mom prayed. I believe that I am a result, even now, anything that God's done in and through me are the answers to a mother's prayer early mornings all of my life and prayed for me up until she died several years ago. Uh, my journey of prayer is that even today, the truth is, is I'm more like my father, as in uh, I, prayer is not my first gifting. Um, I am not a scholar in any means. Uh, some say that I am a pretty good preacher, so I... Uh, but I, but my wife, Leanne, who is the founder of the prayer clinic and then the prayer pastor here at our church, she leads, uh, she leads me in prayer. I follow her lead, and, I, and that's a good thing because uh, she has a heart for it and she's passionate for it. She writes about it. She coaches people in it. She trains churches how to do it. And, and so all of our married life, which is over 44 years, 34 years now, not 44. <laughs> like, whoa, whoa. how time flies when you're having fun. 34 years, she's always had a passion for prayer. And you know, the 17 books that she's written, you know, they've been all about prayer and spiritual warfare. Uh, what I know is, is that uh, you don't ever arrive in prayer. Uh, you're, you're, always, you're, you're always having room to grow. Uh, and I don't, I don't think that the deepest moves of prayer come in the natural. I think they come in the supernatural. I think sometimes you pray when you don't feel like it, and you need to pray when you don't feel like it. But I, I mean, there are times when you just, I think that prayer and the Holy Spirit have to go together because the prayers that are answered are the prayers the Holy Spirit prompts in my heart. Mm -hmm. If I'm praying selfishly, James says, if you ask, you have not because you ask not. Well, I'm asking, but then it says, you ask amiss, which means you're 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 asking for a selfish motive or a, a a motive to 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 promote you or to put you up or make you look good or just feed your ego or give you this or give you that. But when we align ourselves with God and we pray from the heart of God instead of the heart of the man, and that has to be prompted by the Holy Spirit. So I think my first prayer every day needs to be, oh, Lord Jesus, fill me one more time fresh today with the Holy Spirit because I, I want to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. And I, I believe that the deeper we get in God's Word, the guide for life, the deeper that we're filled with, however you want to describe that, refreshed with the Holy Spirit, the more powerful and and permanent the prayers uh, that we pray are going to be and the more lasting they're going to be and the more we're changed. And Leanne, you said it a while ago and Sam confirmed it is, yeah, a lot of times we want to pray. Some of the greatest work that prayer does is not changing my circumstance but changing me in spite of my circumstance because, you know, uh, Christ, uh, Christ didn't live an easy life in his ministry and yet he never disconnected in prayer from his father. Sam already articulated in the garden. I mean, here, if God's son prays, Lord, is there another way? And there's not another way, would it look like he didn't get his prayer answered? Well, yeah, he did. His ultimate prayer was for the glory of God, for mm -hmm. the salvation of humanity. And so if we can pray to that end, to the glory of God, for the salvation of humanity, 
then our prayers are being answered. Well, and the beauty of Jesus in the garden is that instead of being angry with God because of the suffering he was facing and, and being like, well, you know what? You've let me down. I don't, this is hard. Not that Jesus mm -hmm. would ever do that, but mm -hmm. many of us do that. We get angry. God's let us down. So we go and we part ourselves from God in the mm -hmm. hour that we need him the most. And Jesus modeled beautifully how to press into God in the hour that we need him most, even when he's most disappointing us rather than moving away from him at that time. So let's uh, transition now and talk about how the priority of your own personal prayer life, how that impacts how you show up in ministry. So um, who wants to go first? You want it? I think that, uh, you know, as far as uh, the prayer life and, and how it affects in the personal life and, and to preaching and to leading and, and all of that, I think the Lord's probably been doing a work on me the last few months, even more so in that area. Um, to spend that time in prayer uh, and to make time uh, not only to to have prayer time where, where I'm praying for things that I want to see that I want to see accomplished uh, not just praying for wisdom for myself or leadership for myself but to also just be able to sit and and listen and say God what are you trying to tell me um, I was with uh, with Pastor Robbie Gallaty the other day at Long Hollow and he had told me to uh, practice uh, listening 95% and talking 5% in time mm. with God. And I, I think that um, in my life, I haven't always been able to listen. And, you know, how, how can we hear, uh, you know, it's really hard to hear what God's saying to us if we never just say, Holy Spirit, would you speak to me? Yeah. Lord, would you speak to me? Lord, where are you leading me today? That's where good. do you want me to go with this team? Where do you want me to go with this situation? Where do you want us to go as a church? Where do you want me to go with this message even? Mm -hmm. um, and, and you know, there becomes a difference there because when you're praying, Lord, uh, Lord, give me wisdom to lead this team. Lord, uh, you know, help me lead this team. Lord, help me do the situation. But you never ask him, what mm -hmm. do you want me to do in this situation? And then you never stop long enough to hear what he's telling you yeah. in that situation uh, can be really hard. So building in those moments, I think, where I'm, I'm also listening as much as I'm talking. Um, and just uh, just having that heart of prayer. What I've noticed is that I think I shared on a on a Sunday not long ago. The more I've prayed for people, I'd heard people talk about weeping for people mm -hmm. and being broken for people. Um, but I, I'll be honest, you know, it, it hadn't always happened. It had happened in moments of of where there's uh, uh, moments of emotion that come mm -hmm. in. But as I've started building into practice to pray and fast for different people in my life, what I've noticed is I've started to weep for them more and care for them more. And I think it's because during that moment, my heart's aligning with the heart of God yeah. to care for them. And so I also think that building in that time uh, not only is doing a work by moving the hand of God to move in situations, but uh, is moving in your heart to align your heart with the heart of God. Yeah. That's good. And you're talking a little bit about how prayer becomes more than a monologue of what I say and how I say it. And, you know, but becoming a dialogue as to how I hear God's voice re responding back to me. So Absolutely. when you've prayed for, um, you know, specific direction for your team or something specific in your ministry, can you think of a situation where God has, has answered that prayer like later in the day? Yes. Okay. Uh, I, I think the one that came to my mind right as you're talking about was was four days ago uh, 
I had a situation on a Sunday morning, a uh, situation that we could do nothing about and we didn't know how to handle and how are we going to go about it. And so I got in the prayer clinic room that we have here on campus, was praying, uh, was on my face, and I just kind of felt the Lord say, and I just stopped for a minute, and I just tried to really listen and say, uh-huh. okay, I'm not going to say anymore because I'd been pleading with God and, and uh, interceding. I said, I'm just going to wait here for a minute. Uh-huh. And um, I felt the Lord just kind of say, hey, um, speak the truth, love, and that person's here for a reason. That's good. And uh, and it was a reminder of whatever situation we were dealing with, whatever that person was here for, they're searching for that's some reason, good. and that's why they're here. And so <laughs> just go speak the truth. Just go love them. They're here for a reason. I brought them here. I felt the Lord saying that. Uh-huh. I brought them here to y'all for a reason, that's and good. it's going to be okay. And you, you guys just go speak the truth and, and love this person. So, And immediately after that, I go upstairs and... And the person sitting in the hallway and I was able to sit there and just look at them in the eyes and say, hey, I want you to know that we love you being here and you're welcome. And uh-huh. and that person just today just got a message this morning, which is fun, um, said they loved being here and they'll be back Wednesday night. So <laughs> oh, praise God for scary. that. And for those who are listening, this is someone who would not align with our beliefs. Right. At all, and that we're just wow. trying to love and, and minister to. See, and isn't that sweet? Mm-hmm. And and I think that the great reminder is we God doesn't expect us to do what we cannot do. <laughs> no. Like He's going to do what only He can do. But He mm-hmm. does expect us to express His concern, His love, His compassion. Mm-hmm. That's good, Absolutely. and that we can do. Yes, especially when we're we know we've prayed. You knew you'd prayed. Mm-hmm. You knew you'd heard what to do, and so then you could go approach that situation with much more confidence. After praying, yeah. Um, <laughs> as I got, it was like this peace just came over when I finally just stopped and listened it was just like that peace Mm. and it was just we can walk we can walk in the peace that he just gave us and we can go through it wow that's powerful well you know uh if you're listening to this podcast uh, you're either a prayer leader or a pastor or someone who has uh you has you have a heart for God and a heart for the things of God and even though we're like that, Leanne and Tom and Sam and all of you listening to this podcast, sometimes we find ourselves trying to do the work of God in the strength of man. Mm-hmm. And that's just absolutely a ridiculous thought when we stop. But sometimes we think, oh, I'm so busy that I, that I don't have time to have a 30-minute or 40-minute or 20-minute or whatever you feel comfortable quiet time uh, with the Lord. And if you just stop for a moment, think about it, that's absolutely ridiculous. How can I do the work of God in the power of man? Because the work of God is, is done in the heavenlies. The work of God is done in the supernatural, not in the natural. And if you look all through the Bible, God has utilized times alone with individuals to prepare them for the work he's called them to do. The one that comes to mind is in first Kings 17. Uh, Elijah has done the bravest thing you can do and you can tell the king of the nation that you're not going to have any rain for three and a half years mm-hmm. and then as soon as he does that the Lord says you go and, and go down by the river and so they goes by the uh, in the Kinrith, uh, uh, the, the Kerith ravine and there's a brook and uh, Cherith or Kerith Leanne and I have been there in Israel and uh, it's a beautiful place so he goes by this brook and the Lord says a drink of the waters and the ravens will feed you. And he's all by himself. And I, I know that during that time, that's when God's empowering him and refreshing him. And he's drinking the living waters. And for us to translate that is the ravens, the ravens, the birds bring the bread. Well, we eat the bread of life, the word of God. And then we, we drink in the flowing uh, Holy Spirit by that brook. And that's how we prepare ourselves. 
And um, to tell you the truth, uh, all of you guys and gals listening, if you're not prepared by the river of God or by the brook of God, fed by the word of God and listening to the spirit of God, then uh, if you're not prepared in private, you'll never be able to preach with power in public. Mm. If you're not mm. prepared by the Holy Spirit through prayer and through the word of God in private, you'll never with power preach in public. So that's it's good. what you do in private that prepares you for public. Mm-hmm. And, and so that's what, and then of course, Elijah had to go back and show himself later to Ahab and he could have been killed, but it had the courage to do the things that God called him to do because he spent time alone with God. And then, um, of course, we all know what did Jesus do? Uh, Sam may have mentioned this earlier in this podcast that, you know, Jesus himself was in the Garden of Gethsemane being prepared for the greatest work that's ever been done in the history of humanity or in the history of eternity, God going to a cross. And yet he says, Father, not my will, but thine be done. In the private moment with God, he's prepared for the public moment with God. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we, we pray for the power in private so that he will give us his Holy Spirit power in public. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's good. That reminds me of uh, when we were unpacking the phrase that we're a prayer-powered church. Yeah. One of the verses that really stuck out when we were explaining what do we actually mean by that was John 15, verse 5, where Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. Mm-hmm. Remain in me and you'll bear much fruit. For, what does he say? Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And when we were thinking that, boy, when you really settle into that, you realize it doesn't mean apart from me, you can do a few good things or apart from me, you can build a pretty strong church. Or apart from me, what it means is even if you're doing those things, if you know you're not abiding, God calls it nothing. Mm-hmm. Even if the world might call it success, God yeah. would call it nothing because he knows whether we're abiding or not. Mm-hmm. And the fruit that we produce is produced through abiding in the vine. And so it's out of this abiding that that fruit comes. So let's let's talk now a little bit about if um, you guys are the ones who stand in a pulpit on Sunday mornings. Of course, you know, Tom, you're there most of the time. Sam, you're there a good portion of the time. Talk a little bit about um, the power of influence that God has given you with that kind of a platform and how that um, impacts the culture of prayer in the church. Sure. Um, like Leanne said, I'm the senior pastor, and Sam's our next-gen pastor, but he's also uh, our teaching, preaching pastor along with me. So he speaks about one at, at least every four or three Sundays he's speaking. And uh, so, uh, Sam, why don't you go ahead and talk about that influence that we have from the platform? Yes. You, you know, I, you know everything, that, that's the one time a week that we're speaking to the whole body of mm-hmm. Christ. Uh, that's the gathering, the large gathering. Um, but I would go even further that it, it starts with whoever the senior pastor on your staff is. Um, you know, I, I made, um, you know, my prayer life has been impacted by Pastor Tom and by Leanne, um, even by seeing him on a, on a Sunday morning uh, be flat on his face before the Lord, just laying straight prostrate on the front row. <laughs> Nobody else is doing it. It's just during a worship service, and he's about to preach. And my first thought is, is he okay? <laughs> Do I need to get my notes? Like, But then the next thought is, you know, he's getting low before the Lord in this moment mm-hmm. to deal with whatever he needs to deal with. And I think that's so vital because whoever's out there as a pastor, if you're not willing to get low before the Lord, why would he exalt you? Why would he put you on a platform? And, and that is going to translate to everyone else so 
in my life, I've had some Sundays that I haven't even shared, but I've gone in and I felt the Lord say, be willing to lay down. <laughs> and, mm. uh, and I've done it, you know, before service while I'm praying while the worship team's warming up. And I'm thinking, what are they going to think? They're going to think I'm passed out there, you know, yeah. but I saw that modeled. And all that overflows into the staff and then yeah. from the staff into the local church. And if we don't have a passion for prayer or a heart for prayer, our people won't have a heart for prayer. Yeah. Uh, they're the sheep and we're the shepherds. Yeah. And so we have to lead them uh, where they're supposed to go. And you look at Jesus's life. We talked about Jesus, but look at what he modeled. He modeled with his disciples prayer. He went and did it himself. But then he also, who did he pull in the garden with him? That's when right. He pulled his disciples in the yeah. garden and said, hey, pray with me. And then he even had... Um, the patience he's about to go to the cross and think about it, and he goes and wakes him up several times and, <laughs> and he's about to go to the cross he's sweating blood and we, we'd be ready to punch him and say yeah. what are y'all doing you know yeah. but think about even jesus and we all as pastors get frustrated at times with our people and what are they doing why are they not doing this why are they not where we want them yet but look at how jesus loved them and modeled them and then look at them in the book of acts Look at how they pray, 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 and pray some more. <laughs> yeah. And they find that the power is found in prayer. And I think mm -hmm. when you look at Jesus, how he modeled it with his disciples, and then you look at how they modeled it for the early church, and then uh, the, uh, those of us who are in that position, we have a responsibility. And ultimately, if we're not if we're not prayer-powered church and our people aren't a prayer-powered uh, people, uh, we're probably not going to make it very far. Um, we'll have what well, we, we may be able to do good, uh, just like people would in the secular world. And we may be able to build a crowd. We may be able to build a moment. We may be able to build a monument, but we won't really build a movement for God right, because right. we won't be able to break the chains and break the forces of darkness and the forces of evil. And we won't do anything supernatural. It'll all be natural. Mm. And so, um, but it starts with us having that passion for prayer that we'll get to, you know, probably later in this too of, that fire has to burn with our own heart. Mm -hmm. And uh, and I challenge you guys too, whoever's listening, ladies, men, uh, to go back and look at the men and women of great revivals and look at their prayer life. Just examine it. Look at John Wesley getting up at 4 a.m. to pray. Yeah. Um, and, and look at uh, so many others. We're, I'm going to tell you a story later in this podcast, but look <laughs> at so many who just, they're, when you look at their, I started studying revivals not that long ago. And when you look at their prayer life, and then you see what happened. Then we have to ask the question, if we want to see the things that they saw, are we willing to do the things, things that, that they, they did? Do. Yeah. That's really good. So you know, the, Sam's talking about modeling it in our own lives personally and then even publicly when the Holy Spirit prompts us to get on our face before the Lord. And, and, then, and then when we have prepared in private, as I spoke a while ago, and then we stand, pastors who are listening in public, and we preach, there's, there's power in the platform. There's power in the pulpit. And uh, I wasn't even preaching. We were in a series just a few weeks ago, and I wasn't preaching. Sam was preaching, and he's an anointed, gifted preacher. And you heard earlier about his father, David, and mother, Jennifer, modeling prayer, teaching him prayer. You heard that early in the podcast, his dad pastoring the great uh, Long Hall of Baptist. Um, but Sam was preaching, and he just made an appeal from the pulpit, and we signed up over 50 people in one service. For our prayer partners. Yeah, and, that's right. And we doubled our fasting and praying team. We have a team of people who are committed to fast and pray on a day a week or a day a month throughout the year. And they receive a private prayer list that the staff put together as a part of this team. And 
uh, at the end of last year, we had 30 some odd people on this team. And then at the end of our month's emphasis on prayer in January, we had um, 50 some odd people on this team. And one Sunday when Sam was in the pulpit, mm -hmm. that number doubled to where now we have 108 people mm -hmm. on that team, which really like, yeah, it's totally matters. <laughs> yes. Well, and where I was going with that, by the way, if you want to know more information about those prayer teams, you can just uh, go online to prayer clinic prayerclinic.com prayerclinic.com and find out about the prayer clinic that uh, Leanne has founded but anyway what I was saying is Sam's preaching and he's led by the Lord to ask for this commitment and so prayer leaders uh, our chairman of the deacons our pastor who whenever you have a position and a place of influence whenever you have a platform opportunity a pulpit opportunity from the Lord then use it to ask for commitment. So many times we talk, talk, and so we give information, and then we give inspiration, and then we don't ask for participation. Mm, and, and, that's good. and so mm -hmm. uh, what we're doing is we're giving all the right words, and we're inspiring with all our might and preaching unto the Holy Spirit, but then we're not giving them an action step. So Sam gave them an action step, action step, and they did it. And what I'm saying in so many ways, I think our people are better prepared now than ever to respond to whatever God's putting on your heart. We're just coming out, praise God, Lord willing, totally out of a pandemic. I think people are more hungry for God right now than they've been in decades, perhaps. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, we're seeing revival at our church right now. In the last eight weeks, we've baptized 85 people and got five adults from two nights ago on a Sunday night meeting, five more adults lined up in the coming days. For us, that's a revival. Mm -hmm. And uh, and so we are beginning to see when we pray and then when we preach or we speak and then we call people to action. So leaders, wherever you are, don't just give information and inspiration, ask for participation. Mm -hmm. You know, what what is the action point? And uh, so when Sam called, they signed up and now they're in that. So I think that's the influence that God's given us from the platform. Uh, that's from good. Our position of influence. That's good. I love talking to pastors. Have y'all heard all these great things? Like we have moments, monuments, and movements, <laughs> and we have information, inspiration, and participation. Like you only get that when we you're talking. All those. We stole all those. <laughs> from those hey, Ecclesiastes. I love Ecclesiastes it. <laughs> says there's nothing new under the sun. Don't let Leanne fool you. I'd be preaching better sermons if she'd write better oh, sermons. Oh yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> So um, anyway, but uh, this is good stuff. I, um, you know, I was thinking when we were talking about Jesus having to go back and wake up his disciples, I feel like in a way Jesus today is waking up his pastors yes. and reminding us of just how much we must, um, that if we'll just come and pray with him and, and listen, don't just talk. Yeah. And then we, we show up in this place position he's given us this platform and are able to allow the power of God to move through that. Tom, talk to us a little bit about, um, at our church, we actually have our prayer clinic team praying while you're preaching. Mm -hmm. Talk to, um, share what impact you feel like that has on um, how God's working in our church. Absolutely. And these dovetail together. We have these prayer partners that pray for our staff, all of our pastors, all of our ministers, all of our ministry assistants. We put our private needs and this prayer team uh, also prays for our staff so that we're pre prepared and equipped. But, um, you know, on, the, on Sunday mornings, our prayer clinic team, and by the way, pastors and prayer leaders, uh, there ought to be money in your budget for prayer. I mean, you know, we always say it costs to count. And the truth is, if you want to know what's important to somebody, you look at two things, how they spend their money and how they spend their time. 
And so what's important to the church is how they spend their money, how they spend their time. And we talk about evangelism, 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 prayer, prayer, prayer. How much money do we put in evangelism and how much money do we put in prayer? And this is just an aside. I'm going to get back to Leanne's question, but I think it's important for prayer leaders and staff and pastors, whoever's listening to this podcast, to know that we have a room set aside in our building for the prayer clinic and a second room for the prayer room. So we have our prayer team members praying while we are preaching and while we're worshiping. And that's so important uh, that we have this room set aside on our campus uh, for several reasons. One, we have people coming to the prayer room and prayer clinic all the time. And then also while I'm preaching while we're worshiping, there are people praying. And the beauty of that is the people in our prayer clinic, our prayer team, they're talking to God about people while Sam and I are talking to people about God. Mm. Friends, we need to be talking to God about people as much as we're talking to people about God because it's not you and I, no matter how eloquent we might speak, who convinces anyone of anything. It is the Holy Spirit that convicts. If I can convince you of something, somebody who's sharper, smarter, and more eloquent than me can convince you of something else. But if the Holy Spirit of God will convict you, you'll never be the same. And so we get our prayer partners. Leanne has her prayer team talking to God about people while Sam and I and others are preaching and talking to people about God. So I want to encourage you to do that. And I want to go right back and I don't want to harp on it too much, but I want to go back to the priority of putting finances toward your prayer ministry. I mean, I just want to be honest with you guys. There was a day in the life of Thompson Station Church years and years ago that we put more money in our kitchen than we did our prayer ministry. Mm. I want to, I, that's a silent moment for effect. Mm. We put more men, money in our kitchen than we did our prayer ministry. We cared more about keeping our cold drinks cold, our Diet Cokes, and our hamburgers ready on our grill so we can have better fellowship than we did about interceding on behalf of lost and broken and hurting and dying people. Uh, prayer leaders and pastors, come with me. Let's do better, whatever it takes. Um, I'm all for fellowship. Nobody can throw down on Mexican like Sam and me. We, we, have, we have meals and all kinds of gatherings and fun with our staff and with our people all the time. But there's no fellowship um, that's better or more important than the fellowship that we have with God through prayer. Yeah. And when that's we good. pray, right. God moves. And uh, so please, please, please remember, have your people praying set aside. And, uh, you know, that, that might be a great segue. Sam, tell us, uh, you've been reading about revivals. And one mm -hmm. of the revivalists that we're both familiar with in the 1880s is Charles Finney. I want you to hear this story about Finney and his success. By the way, if you didn't know, Finney was the first one to do come down invitations, altar calls. Prior to that, after services, uh, both revivals and regular services, they had a mourner's bench or an inquirer room. So you either went to the front and sat on the front row until everybody left or went to a private room on the side. Then he did the call invitation. Sam, tell us about Finney. Yes. You know, Finney saw thousands come to know the Lord. And so I, I came into the prayer clinic team uh, a few weeks back and I, uh, I asked them a name. I said, do you know a guy named Father Nash? Have you ever heard of him? And they said, no. And I did this with our staff too. We do a, <laughs> we do a staff prayer time at 11.15 and then we have a prayer and praise service at 12. And I asked them, I said, has anybody in here ever heard of Father Nash? And uh, both groups, nobody had ever heard of him. Mm -hmm. So then I asked both groups a question. I said, have you ever heard of Charles Finney? Both groups had. 
And I said, well, let me tell you about Father Nash. And Father Nash was, was someone who uh, worked with Charles Finney in his ministry. And what Father Nash's job was this, uh, was, was this, whatever uh, city that Charles Finney was going to, uh, to hold a revival, Father Nash would go into the city early with a few other people and he would find a hotel room somewhere to stay. And all he would do until the revival would be to pray and fast and intercede for the revival. When Charles Finney came and while Charles Finney was preaching, Father Nash never left to go to the revival. He always <laughs> prayed right through the revivals. And um, he was always used uh, to go different places and pray during the revivals. And, and Finney knew that he was so powerful to the ministry, so powerful to the revivals. Actually, Father Nash on his tombstone, um, it, it says, labor with Finney. And what I told the prayer team that day is I said, hey, um, nobody knew Father Nash's name, but he was just as important as Charles Finney. That's right. And you all are just as important as the preaching. And the preaching's only as powerful as the prayers that are being prayed oh, in this room. Oh, that's good. The preaching is only as powerful as the prayers being lifted. I hope you hear that prayer leader. I hope you hear that pastor. Yes. I hope you hear that chairman of the deacons. Yes. Listen, the preaching is only as powerful as the praying being lifted on behalf of both the preacher and the hearer. Yes. Wow, that's good, Sam. It's such a beautiful uh, relationship. I have to be honest, when I invited y'all to do this podcast, what I really wanted people to hear was, especially pastors, how much uh, um, how much influence you have and how much um, you can rally the people to pray. But it, just hearing y'all speak and, and hearing your heart on this, it goes both ways, right? So Absolutely. how much the praying of the people really influences the pastor. And so it's genuinely a beautiful partnership that God sets up for us. It's, you know, God Almighty chooses us to work through. And then he has his own plan for how to do that. And that plan is praying. Yes. We pray. That's the connect. That's connecting his power to his people is through the channel of praying. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, it takes all. So pastors, I, as a, as a pastor's wife and a prayer leader, I just want you to know how significant your, just your encouragement and your encouraging your people to pray, how, how far that will go. We can encourage the people from our seat for a year and the results would be the same as when you do it for five minutes. <laughs> I mean, that's just the way it works. But also, um, as a prayer leader to other prayer leaders, I want to encourage you not to grow weary that's right. and to keep on keeping on because um, your pastor very much depends on the faithful prayer partnership with his people. Do y'all have anything else you'd love to say just to encourage the pastors and the prayer leaders as we close out? You know, uh, probably just to close, I just encourage the pastors to uh, have the attitude of Moses that if your presence isn't with us, don't even send us. And, oh, uh, yeah. you know, this morning I was preparing for a message, but, you know, I was praying before the message and then I was praying through my outline and then I'll pray after the outline and then I'll pray before. Mm -hmm. And have that mindset that you don't really want to get up and you don't feel comfortable if you're not prayed up and oh, you're not... Um, in that prayer powered state uh, and almost that you have to depend on God. The, the, the times where, and, and it feels weird saying this sometimes, but the times where I've seen it's not me, it's the Lord 
I guess the best way to say is the Lord moved through me powerfully through preaching mm-hmm. have been the times when I've depended on him the most yeah. or I've been the most nervous or I've been the most worried because guess what I naturally do when I'm in that state? I pray more. Uh-huh. <laughs> the times where I've become more comfortable and more used to it and I let up and I, and I pull back uh, are the times where um, I haven't seen God you know, do as much through it and it hadn't been quite there. And, and I would just tell everybody out there, if you're, if you're preaching, if you're leading, Never, no matter how long you do it, lose that dependency on God. Um, you know, I shared a little while ago, uh, a few weeks ago, that I, I think on from the stage that I prayed early on when I was when I was going to, to preach like evangelistic events when I was real young, 18, 19, and going mm-hmm. around, and I was scared to death and didn't have a clue, and I was afraid, what if nobody comes down, and what if what if nobody gets saved? And someone reminded me, they said, who can you save? I said, nobody. <laughs> nobody. I, said, I said, great. <laughs> um, but I would pray so hard and I'd pray so earnestly. And, and the crazy thing is God would move and people would come get saved. But I look back and that it wasn't because I was an eloquent speaker. I was terrible. You know, I, I, I didn't know what I was doing. I, I just think it was because I was depending on God and pleading with God so much that he was saying, you're available. And so I'm going to give you the ability and I'm going to move through you and people are going to be compelled to come forward, even if you are butchering this altar call in this moment. Yeah. And I just think if we, all of us can just, you know, train ourselves to, to keep that dependency um, throughout the weeks and throughout the days, uh, then God will move powerfully through us. Amen. You know, uh, prayer leaders, as you're listening and pastors, as you're listening, any leader in the church, I want to go back to and remind you that Sam and I both are called to preach and Sam's 26 I'm 57 so we're two generations but both of us had praying mothers and praying fathers and uh, you know my mom and dad are already in heaven Sam's father uh, was taken from this world early and he's in heaven Uh, Sam's mom's still here in Middle Tennessee and that's great but they pray for us and the prayers of our parents are still powerful in our lives today. Mm-hmm. You understand that a prayer never disappears. Read the scripture and find it. It says the prayers of God's people are wafting, floating in the air like incense in the nostrils of our Heavenly Father. Mm-hmm. So don't grow weary in well-doing and there can't be any better well-doing than praying because God's bringing about uh, answers to your prayers and you don't even know it. And sometimes we pray now, but we reap later reap a harvest later so uh, don't ever underestimate the power of your prayer and the purpose of your prayer because the long-lasting effects of your prayer will come about and uh, you don't look in the short term because you and i are locked in time and space god is not remember god is in yesterday today and tomorrow god is transcends time so he's at all times all the time and he's not bound by space like we are so don't grow well root weary in this well doing of prayer because god is working sam and i both in our late teen years and early 20 years went through rebellion for for different Mm -hmm. reasons sam because of the loss of his father which was devastating in any life and his and the life of his brother and sister and me because i was just a knucklehead (laughs) and yet it was the prayers of the people who loved us most that brought us through. So you keep praying because God is answering. He always does. Leanne, uh, tell us tell us what we always say. So what we always say at Thompson Station Church is that when we work, we work. But when we pray, God works. That's right. Mm-hmm. And that's what we want to be about. We want to be about places that 
are evidenced. We want the people around us to say, oh, that's the church that prays. Yes. Oh, those are the people who pray. So um, I'm going to pray and just close us out. Father, I thank you so much for these pastors. I thank you for these men that I'm sitting with in this room and for their hearts for you that is evidenced by both the discipline and the delight of their own prayer lives. Mm -hmm. And then the dependency on that as they um, lead in the ministry here at our church. And Lord, as we have shared, I ask that you would use this uh, conversation to just wake us all up, prayer leaders and pastors alike, God, and that we might become houses of prayer Mm -hmm. so that um, we would not be trying to convince people with our eloquent words, but that the the convincing of their hearts would be evident because yes. of the power that you're pouring yes. in and through us. Mm-hmm. Lord, we thank you so much for the privilege of prayer. Jesus, Lord, thank you for dying to make the way for us to Amen. have this connection. Amen. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Prayer Clinic Podcast. If you've enjoyed this episode, take a minute to give us a rating, subscribe if you haven't already, and please share this with a friend. There's no doubt that you know someone who could use the encouragement that we've shared today. I'm Leanne McCoy, founder of the Prayer Clinic Ministry, and I'm on a mission to mobilize our churches to pray. Don't forget that when we work, we work, but when we pray, God works. Check out the show notes for today's episode to um, get access to any of the links connected to our guest or uh, connected with the prayer clinic ministry. I look forward to being with you next time. Keep on praying, my praying people.